0: Welcome to episode twenty of Coffee Pods and WADs. Um I hope you're keeping well. This week's episode is sponsored by Born Primitive UK. Um, you can use the code Pods 10 for money off your basket on their website, bornprimitive.co.uk. Um tomorrow marks the start of United and Movement. You can check out their Instagram for details. Um you should also have a look at Filthy One Instagram as well. They've arranged for Ireland's top athletes um to take on the workouts with you uh online. So Sunday, PD Savage is gonna be online at eleven o'clock in the morning, then Monday, you got Jamie Heaton at six PM. Tuesday, Emma Quaid at six PM. Army's up next Wednesday at six PM. Mickey Smith six PM on Thursday, and then Sam Stewart brings it home um, six o'clock on Friday. Um, it's a fantastic idea by Filthy to get like drum up a bit of support and um, a bit of excitement about things. and It'll be great to see the guys and girls there uh, getting involved. Um, speaking of support, uh, like and share everything you want on uh, at Coffee Pods and Wads. Um, if you're listening tag us uh, we can share it get the word out a bit more Um, you can join up on patreon.com forward slash coffee pods and wads as well Um, this week as well I'm giving away a supporters pack Uh, working with uh, Wolfhound Fitness they put out a weekly workout every Wednesday and it has to be done by Sunday um, you can find it on at wolfhound underscore fitness and I'll be sharing it as well um so if you upload a video of yourself doing the workout taking on and tag them tag us and if you're listening to really chronically cheesy music as well um you might get yourself a supporters pack Um, so i decided to release a second episode every week for the foreseeable future it's probably in my better interest to uh hoard guests and not put the episodes out twice a week because i'll get more episodes in, in the bank i suppose but I think it's probably one of the only ways I can distract people from what's going on and give a bit of a break. Um, so I thought it might be a good thing to do. So uh, I put up a vote the other day. Democracy rules. is a majority of people that voted picked Friday as the day they want the second episode released. So from now on to be an episode on a Wednesday, another episode on a Friday. Um, this week's episode is Joshua Alshama, um, one of the most positive guys in the sport. Um, So he chats about doping in the sport, the coffee scene in Los Angeles, uh, working with with fitness, uh, missing out on Waterpalooza podium last year and then making it happen this year with Mickey and how they bonded together and his hopes for the year ahead. So enjoy. Joshua, thanks for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, It looks like a much more idyllic quarantine setting that you're in there than what we have here. I see blue skies and grass and everything just looks perfect
1: it's uh it's definitely not one to complain about for sure I mean quarantine for anyone is going to suck because we're limited on what we can do but I'm fortunate that I'm in a location that has some nice weather so
0: yeah um let <laughs> we'll start off easy so do you drink a lot of coffee
1: do I drink a lot of coffee like this one right here because I'm <laughs> drinking now
0: uh is there yes you, I do have you gotten around much of the LA coffee scene since you've moved over
1: uh, there's a spot that I love to go to in uh, West Hollywood called Coffee Coffee. Um, really cool local place. I mean, you, I mean, business is great for them during quarantine because you can only fit one person in the cafe anyway. <laughs> it's so small and the seating's outside, but the coffee that they do is incredible. So I have gone around a little bit, but I'm definitely one of those people when I find my spot, I'm like, yeah. that's it. I'm going to that same spot.
0: It's hard. It's hard to take that risk of like, oh, what if it's shit if I go somewhere else? You know, like I've wasted a coffee that i could have had in coffee coffee like you know
1: for, for sure i mean don't get me wrong look i'm not gonna lie i'm still one of those guys where i'll, I'll hit up a, a cheeky starbucks now and then but it's not it's not my kind of coffee when it comes to real coffee
0: yeah yeah um, um would, you, would you have a, a, a like a favorite coffee memory then of like a place you were or someone you were with or something that happened maybe while having a coffee
1: I recently actually sat in Coffee Coffee with Sonny Webster, uh, which was quite fun. And we yeah. had uh, he came out here and we I put on a seminar with, uh, so my partner has a company where she runs uh, corporate fitness. And on the side of that, I run corporate events. Um, and we brought Sonny out to do a weightlifting seminar. And we sat in Coffee Coffee and had a great coffee and uh, a good chat. We spoke about business and, you know, digging into to that guy's mind was super interesting to, yeah. um, I mean, I know he's had a lot of, you know, there's been some stigma and things within the sport but um as a person you know he's he's a great human being and he's very intelligent and i was actually super intrigued to get aside like get out of the fitness angle and just talk to him about business yeah um that was really cool
0: yeah he seems like a cool guy like he's uh like he's suffering an awful lot i'd say but like mm-hmm. just i suppose it comes down to like okay people shit happens and people make mistakes or you know stuff happens around them and they, they're punished for it and that's it like you know it, it comes a point where you just need to move on kind of I think he's kind of i think yeah and I
1: think yeah I agree and I think you know you just need to accept that sometimes mistakes happen um let's be honest these things can happen you you can kind of get hit with something that you you didn't know was apparent and I think at the end of the day we're all human beings and here's my thing behind it like let's let's be real and have a an honest podcast and say there's a lot of athletes out there that are trying to be the best that they can be and unfortunately or fortunately however you look at it there's going to be things that are going to be put in your path um, whether you know or don't know about it that could almost influence your decisions because at the end of the day you want to be at the top of your game and in a lot of sport there's not much recognition there's not much payment there's not There's not a lot of anything, but your ego is fueled by being number one. So, you know, I don't agree with it, but I can see the side to it. And I think, you know, sometimes people will kind of get led into a a deeper path and they need to just accept that they've made that mistake, acknowledge a mistake and move on from it. And and I think as a person, um, I really respect what he's done in terms of business. And he's flipped it on the head and gone, you know what, actually, I'm going to give back to the community. And the guy is an incredible coach. You know, we'd done this seminar and I was blown away by by his teaching. And I thought, wow, like, why shouldn't he be doing these things? So that was really inspiring for me to have that coffee and have that chat. So,
0: Have have you ever been offered anything or like had any of those scenarios arise that you mentioned there about like stuff being put in people's path and stuff? Has anything like that ever happened to you?
1: No. Um, And I think it's just because as a person, when it comes to it, I'm very in tune with myself. And if something like that was put in my path, I would very easily be able to push that to the side because I'm not, for me, I'm, I'm fueled by, uh, how can I say it? For me, it's all about my growth as a person and what the sport is doing for me outside of the sport. Like, and a lot of people don't see this. And a lot of people don't realize this, that, you know, for me, yeah, I want to I be the best that I can be. I want to make the games. I want to be a number one athlete but I'm not willing to make all of the sacrifices to be that if it damages, you know, my, Everything, my humanity, yeah. like just me as a human, you know? And like at the end of the day, <laughs> I'm not that guy. Let, let's let take the, this part aside, you know, we're talking about, you know, performance enhance, enhancement, enhancement drugs, but let's take that aside. Even when it comes down to nutrition, bro, like I eat well, I eat healthy, but I'm not that guy that's going to go right down to the the, the minute details. Cause at the end of the day, I want to have a nice dinner out. I want to have a beer now and then, you mm-hmm. know? So i think for me my journeying where i want to be is not kind of blinded by just being number one it's about you know being able to develop business opportunities it's about being able to connect with a wider audience so for me if something like that did come up it it it, it has no interest in my path but i can see how someone who's soul searching for number one yeah it can have a it can have an effect you know and at the end of the day, I think, look, we just need to talk about these things and be a little bit more open about it and and educate people on the implications of what can happen, you know, should you go down that path, you know, does it make you a bad person? No, it doesn't make you a bad person, but, you know, you've only cheated yourself, so for me, like, I wouldn't want to do that, if I'm honest, so.
0: Yeah, I suppose, like, you've only cheated yourself, like, to a certain extent, but then I suppose you, you, like, you know, when you see, like, say, Vellner missing out on his moment on the podium, or say, like, even closer to home, Emma McQuaid finished 21st, and then there was a girl mm-hmm. ahead of her that was like popped after the games was over. So Emma would have been in the top 20. Do you know, like, it's I understand what you're saying about you're only cheating yourself, but it's it's it hurts a lot when it's I suppose when it affects someone else, like, you know,
1: well, that yeah, that's a whole new topic, and I, I completely agree with that. You know, um, I think. It can have an effect on the field in general. You know, I mean, and and I compete on, you know, at elite sanctionals, and there could be athletes out there that are are taking something. But for me, again, you just have to be honest with yourself and accept that, yeah, it could have a negative, it could have an effect on the leaderboard and how things play out. But at the end of the day, you know, you you put your best work in, and if something like that was happened to me, let's say for instance, I was at a competition, and I came. Fourth person in third got popped. I'm not going to sit there and cry about it. I know deep down I was the third- placed athlete, yeah. and, and that's what there is to it. All right, it sucks because of the recognition and the things that can come off it. but at the end of the day, you can't be again, you can't look at anyone else's path. You can't think about what they're doing and, and where they're going. you just have to accept the way it is. And I think the more education we can put out and the more we can talk about it, and the more we can kind of encourage people not to do it. Um, and the more testing, you know honestly, I don't think. Again, uh, you know, people might shoot me down for this, but I don't think the sport's tested enough, you know, and I'm in the sport and uh, I've always said, you know, I am. the day I get tested is the day I know I've made it as an athlete. So I'm <laughs> like, I, I want to be tested. You know, I want this stuff to come about. I think it should be a big part of our sport. But again, what I'm saying is when you are tested, if someone does come out, do I believe it makes them a bad person? No, they they were just blinded by a vision yeah. that they had, you
0: know. Yeah, it's an operable mindset like to as well always it's, yeah. the, it's the kind of thing that people try like people preach a lot and people try and live by of like you know or oh, just focus on yourself and not worry about anyone else but like it's a hard one when something's happening to 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 Look, be able to do that like it's course, admirable to be course. able to do it like
1: of course and would you be mad yeah everyone would be mad you know everyone yeah. whenever these things come about but you could sit there, you could go on all day about these things. And it, really it's not going to change anything. It, the yeah. only thing that will, the, you can control the controllable and the controllable is only the things that you can do, you know? Um, so that's why for me, one of my biggest things is always focusing on what I can do, what I want to do and what I will do. You yeah. know, so, cause there's, there's some things that I should do that I won't do, you know, when yeah. it comes down to like I, I touched on earlier then, like minute details of nutrition or, you know, um, pulling back on certain things like there's some things i will pull back on and then other things i'm just like well hey if i can't make it while being who i am and what i'm true to then maybe it wasn't for me
0: yeah true um do you listen to many podcasts
1: i listen to some um i actually used to co-run pod i don't know if you've heard of pod uh with lauren lauren smith doing it but i listened to talking elite fitness and then some of the stuff that I do listen to is outside of the sport of fitness, if I'm honest, because I'm yeah. very much engrossed in it, that sometimes it's nice to kind of get outside and listen to like some Joe Rogan or something on a completely different wavelength, you know.
0: Do you see it as a job then? Like say, obviously you work in, like you coach and stuff, but do you see like say you're training and you're competing as part of a job as well? 100%.
1: It is now. Uh, as a competitor, I, I cut back on, I mean, at one point when I first started in this game, so like, if we go back to the start, I remember one of the first things I was told was never become a coach to become a competitor. And I said, why? And they said, well, because you're coaching, you're not really fueling the coaching. You can't give the best to people because you're only focused on yourself. And I was like, well, that's not true because actually I can become a competitor. I can learn so many different things from the floor and I can adapt that and change it. My athletes and I can, you know, even a competitor and a, and a general gym goer, The only difference is the fuel to be number one spot, but the fuel to be as good as you can be stays the same. Yeah, Nothing else changes there. So actually I was like, okay, cool. You say that like the people that are telling me that I was like, fine, let me try this my way. So I was like, actually, I want to be a competitor. How can I get as much time to train and also use that training to educate others and to be a coach? So I I actually, one day I, I went into one of my previous jobs. I was a personal shopper. And I was like, I'm done. That's it. I'm packing it in. And then I booked my first level one and started learning how to coach. And I had some coaching abilities previous to that in in different sports, face to dance and stuff. But I was like, fine. I'm going to learn how to coach. And then once I, I learned how to to coach, it opened up my time to then be able to compete more, to be able to be in the gym and train more, and then to to coach others. Um, so then for me, sorry, I've got this uh, grass cut coming back, so I'm about to run.
0: Nice.
1: <laughs> um, so then for me, I was kind of like, well, I'm going to use everything that I can learn on a competition floor to, to teach others and adapt it to things that they need. Um, so that's kind of what I did. So I kind of went down the route of being a coach so that I could train more. And then I found that actually to be at the top of my game, to really be able to compete to the best that I can, I had to reduce my coaching hours purely for myself. Um, yeah. And when I did that, competing became a job. And it became a job because I found that I was having to put just as much time into my day being a competitor as I did being, you know, a worker or being a coach. Um, The only difference was the emphasis on splitting my, uh, myself between helping others and helping myself had to become a little bit more of a focus on myself. But then I also said, well, how can I still encourage others to to keep, you know, being the best version of themselves? So I use my social media platforms to talk about, you know, talk about things that are important. Maybe not so much. I don't, I don't dig too much into the training side of things. I don't put free programs out and stuff like that. Just, just yet anyway, because I believe there's a lot of them already and there's a lot of good ones, but what I can help people with is just understanding that, you know, I try and express how even as a competitor. I am a human being, I still have daily struggles, and I like, I like people to see that, so they realize that we're all the same. You know, we can all do this, and we, we all share and think the same things.
0: Is it true that you're a professional ballerina?
1: I was, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: How did that come about?
1: So, I actually started really late. I was about 30, 12 or 13 in school, and one of my buddies, I used to dance at home in my bedroom. Okay. Um, I used to listen to MTV bass back in the day, uh and i remember when i used to sit behind the tv screen and just watch mtv bass all day and watch the backing dancers and stuff like that and i used to copy moves in my bedroom and one of my buddies was like you should come to a street dance audition i was like no i can't do that bear in mind like so i'm gonna be straight here the school that i went to i grew up in hackney and the school that i went to if i'm honest being white i was the minority um and i remember like all my buddies you know uh, they used to say to me, come come, come come, and do this dance class. And I was like, "No, nah, I can't do that. Like, I'm gonna stand out like a sore thumb. Anyway, I went, uh, I got the part. I got into like this hip hop dance crew. Only white kid in the crew, it was amazing, loved it. And then one of my teachers was like, you should learn contemporary and ballet. Obviously being a young kid from Hackney, my first response probably wasn't the best response. Um, and I was very narrow minded back then. And I was like, "No, nah, I can't do that. And then she said, well, I tell you what, how about you come and learn this piece with two girls from the older year you're going to be the only male dancer and you're going to be able to lift and throw around these two girls and I was like hell yeah okay cool let's do that and then from there I kind of just started learning a little bit of contemporary then I got a scholarship to a dance school called Laban which was in London South London went there studied ballet and then from the ages of 16 to around 1920 I, I went professional short-lived but I did a few few castings, performed on the Brit Awards and stuff like that.
0: And what's um, like, how did you find CrossFit then?
1: CrossFit came about because when I kind of like 21, 22, especially when I'd come away from dance, um, I came away from dance initially because I started hitting the gym and my ballet teacher told me if I put on any more weight, she's not putting me on stage. Yeah. And I was like, all right. I I won't swear on the podcast, but I said a a vulgar word and I was like, cool, I'm done. I'm out. Like, you know, you can't tell a 21 year old boy from Hackney what he can and can't do. Um, And I was like, I'm going to go to the gym. So I started going to the gym, hitting weights, Um, not knowing it back then, but obviously I had a great range of mobility, but now I started building strength. So I started doing, you know, strong, like strong man, bodybuilding style training. Um, And then while I was doing that, kind of fell off the wagon a little bit started drinking started smoking um i think at one point i was up to like 15 cigarettes a day like really stupid stuff and i just was like one day i can't do this anymore like i feel sluggish i feel crap but even though i'm lifting weights i'm like i need to do something i want to use my body and i was looking and looking at all these different things that i could do i wasn't much of a runner i think at that point the most i'd ever ran was like 400 meters so i was like i'm not going into running right now and then i found crossfit um kind of went into crossfit with the mind of like i remember the first time i walked into a crossfit gym and i said to the coach why is everyone taking their shirt off and he's like oh you know they're just working out and i was like oh that's like that's a bit weird right anyway i was i was two sessions deep and my shirt came off and i went crazy i was like this is it i'm in and i think one week into crossfit i was at a place called nwk crossfit in kent because i'd moved there and i um said to the coach cool i'm gonna go to the games and he's like whatever I was like, no, no, I'm going to go to the games. He's like, yeah, everyone says that. Cool, whatever. And before you know it, like, went to regionals on a team, started doing some stuff. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I want to, I want to make regionals as an individual now. And he's like, no, no, you told me when you first came in here you want to go to the games. Go and make that happen. And that was it for me.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so. what, Was there a moment then, obviously, you went to regionals as a team and you've done, like, individual sanctions and team sanctions and stuff like that. Was there a moment that you can pick out in your CrossFit history where you were like I'm really fucking good at this I can make a goal over." It.
1: it was after it was after so the opening 2019 uh, 2019 2018
0: oh, like the, the last spring one let's say
1: the, yeah the 2018 open yeah. I remember I did the first workout I remember it was warbles and uh, actually no, before that, let's go before that. So I remember so just before that, a month before that, in the in must have been in January now. Yes. So it was in January. I went to Watapalooza and I did it as a three person team. It was me, Zach George, and Mitch Adams. And we took fourth place. Um sorry, this grass cutter keeps going crazy. We um we took fourth place and we missed out on the podium by I think it was like three or four points and when we qualified for that competition we actually were sitting outside a qualifying spot by about seven places the night before the deadline Mitch calls me up and was like Josh you got to go back into the gym do all of the workouts again and I was like what he's like yeah you got to go back into the gym do them all again I was like I can't go back in the gym and do like 10 workouts again he's like well let's pick some we'll all split up we've got to do these workouts again I was like man okay so I went into the gym Hit the workouts hard. We qualified for Waterpalooza in nineteenth place. It was only top twenty made it. And then when we went there and we performed and we came out fourth, just missing out on the podium. I was like, "Whoa, okay, cool." So maybe I didn't qualify so high, especially as, like you know, as a team, we didn't qualify yeah. so high. But me individually, I thought, actually, you know, I, I, as a person, because I can only think, think for myself, I can make this happen. I can do something here, especially after that performance. Mm. And then we had the Open the month after, and it was. I'd done strength and depth and finished the strength and depth competition on the Sunday, on the Monday. Cause remember in that competition, we had 19.1, oh, yeah. I think it was, or 18 point, I can't remember, but we had that in the competition and I placed sixth in the first event in the competition. I went back into the gym. I was like, no, I'm going to do this again. Anyway, I placed like top 16 in the world on that first workout. And I was like, Whoa, hold on <laughs> what's going on here. And I think it was then they, they were the kind of defining moments where I was like, actually, you know, I could do something here because even then, you know, I had things that weren't spot on. Nutrition wasn't spot on. Like I was, I was not sleeping that much because I was coaching quite a lot back then yeah. as well. So I was like, there's things that I'm not actually honing in on here and I'm able to give these kind of performances. So they were the, the
0: changing moments for me. That's cool. Uh, you came third in the UK that year in the, the last spring open, I'll say. Um, yes. And you came top 20 last year. You took, you were in 5150, uh, in November, you did um again I did
1: Ch- China before that, then waterpalooza <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, you did the Brazilian Session on your own, is that right? yeah, yep. and then uh, like, I suppose like whirlwind might be a good way to describe the year, like it's been fairly hectic. like how would you describe it on a personal level, like say taking maybe your performances in each of the competitions out of it, just on a personal level, how have you found the year?
1: Well, firstly, aren't I lucky to say that I did all those sanctions before this happened? Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I remember saying that I was going to do... I, I said to myself, after... I didn't have a great Open this year. And when I say great Open, it wasn't a bad Open. In comparison to the year prior, placing yeah. third and then coming, you know, outside of top 10 in the year after. So for me, that wasn't the kind of performance I won. And I know why I didn't have that performance. I had a, a few... I kind of got complacent in week one and two. And then in week three, four and five, I... I kind of knuckled down a little bit um and I was working uh, heavy shifts in week one and two and still trying to do the workout so I, I know the kind of things that I, I made mistakes on but um as as a kind of just a whirlwind of of sanctuals that I've done the experience the experience that I've had has been incredible you know the, the people that I've connected with I've met in the last say six months are some people that I know will be friends for life and I've really kind of at the end of the day what i'm trying to do the reason why i'm hitting up all these sanctionals is one to show the body's capable and that you can do it and then you know as a as a kid or a young man that was a smoker and a drinker to come through and hit up these competitions and be able to do it you can do it we can all do it um but also just the opportunity to travel the world you know um me and my girlfriend amber we kind of said based off of the open i didn't know how many things i were going quali- to was going to qualify for fortunately because i pulled it back in in those last few events i managed to qualify for a bunch of them and i was like i want to do this this and this one and then she's like okay cool and then i was like uh and i want to do this one and, this. and she was like we can't do all of these and i was like why not like let's travel the world let's have some fun so that's kind of what we wanted to do behind it and then with each one i had different performance goals so i kind of went into every sanctional knowing i had an idea of what i wanted to do sometimes i surprised myself sometimes i i don't want to use the word let myself down but sometimes i thought you know you should have done better than that and i made a few mistakes but they were all learning mistakes across the board so uh, yeah i mean it's been it's been crazy it's just been fun to be able to travel and to be able to connect with so many communities you know did I think, I mean, in the last year alone, I mean, I've been to like Brazil and Australia and these are places that I didn't even think I was ever going to get the opportunity to go to. So
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Um, you did that you mentioned, you actually brought up there a minute ago about the fourth place finish uh, last mm-hmm. last time and then you came mm-hmm. uh, third this year with mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Team Wit. Um, yes. You put up a fairly like open post on your instagram there the other day talking about like the i suppose the journey from one water it to the next mm-hmm. and you're very mm-hmm. open about like how hard you were on yourself afterwards and how beat up you felt like having just missed out on a podium and that was you know mm-hmm. like it's i suppose it's tough to come that close and then miss out on something like um mm-hmm. do you did you feel like a sense of redemption this year or had you kind of dealt with it throughout the year and it just, it was just a fresh start this year or was there that thing of like, right this time I'm going to prove, I'm going to do it this time?
1: Um, I had definitely dealt with it. Um, I think, so this year was definitely a fresh start because it was a fresh team. You know, I never went into it thinking that it had to be a complete redemption, but I knew that I wanted to perform at the best level that I possibly could along with my team. When we went into it initially, um, I mean, I'll be straight with you. When we first went into it, we kind of said, let's, uh, let's make some money. Right. They, they opened up a prize pot to like the top eight or top 10. So I was like, well, let's get in there and let's make some money and take some money away. And it was kind of, for me, I've been fortunate where we have given me opportunities to, to build teams. Um, and I've taken the lead role in building that team. Like that whole team with Sam Briggs, uh, Mickey Smith and Harriet Roberts was all put together by me. And there was different reasons behind that, which we can talk about in a moment. But there was different reasons behind the athletes in the team. So I was quite fortunate to be able to do that. And in my head, I was like, well, if I'm going to build a team, let's see if we can actually build a team that maybe one day we can take to the Games. I didn't think that opportunity was going to come this time. Um, <laughs> So when we went into it, it was funny because we just had a blast. I mean, the first workout that we did together as a team was on the Thursday in the first workout. We had not trained yeah. together. Yeah. So and because we just we, we knew how each other worked. And I think I was quite strategic on how I planned the team. Um, so I knew that it would come together quite strong. And we just decided to go out there and, and have fun in terms of it being redemption. Yeah, it felt good um, to be on the podium felt good to say that we'd earned a game spot but then there was also the 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 other negative to that where we had to decline it yeah so
0: was that was that know, tough they'll... was that tough for you like because obviously sam is all right and you know like i suppose i think the reason the reason you had you talked about on your own instagram about the reason you had to turn it down was because too many people would need to be replaced basically because it already made their their own, they've got their own ticket or whatever. So was that tough? Like, was there a did you ever feel a thing of like maybe if I beg, maybe if I maybe if I ask them really nicely, they might go with us?
1: I already, I, I okay. So here's here was my thought process, and I'll be straight about it. Was I upset? Yeah, I was upset because you know, if any time you you earn a games ticket, you want to be able to say you don't ever. I didn't expect the first time I earn a games ticket, I'd say no, yeah. right? Especially because I was a team captain and the email came through to my email. I mean, why couldn't they email it to any of the others yeah. so they could make that decision a lot easier? I mean, I was tempted to just click accept and say, guys, yeah. you're in it now.
0: Yeah. But uh,
1: no. Um I knew initially going into it that it was never we weren't we weren't gonna be able to take it we weren't gonna be able to take it to the games and but I knew that it was an opportunity to build a foundation for something that we can have later down the line. Yeah. Um and I think we really showed that as a team. We came together and, and it was great. Um, I think, I remember being, I remember turning to my girlfriend Amber and saying, you know, oh, I've worked so hard, you know, to, to get this. And, you know, it's sad, but I accept it. And she was like, yeah, you have worked hard, but there's people that have been doing this for 10 years, eight yeah. years, six years, and they're only just getting their spots. You've done this for a year. You've decided to go a year for a prof- as a professional, and you're already like booking a spot. What's the problem? And I was like, do you know what? You're right. Like completely, there's, there's going to be so many more opportunities to make this happen. And I think, what's more important to me now is not like I put in the post the other day, I make the games and then what? Right? Yeah. Because honestly, if you're not top five at the games, unless you're business savvy, which I'm trying to be, I'm working with brands and connecting with various brands and trying to put out a strong brand a message, personal message, but also a brand message, you're not going to make any money anyway. So, Let's be real. What is it for? It's to fuel my ego. Like I want to get to the games to fuel my ego to say Well, I've worked this hard. I can do it and prove it to myself But apart from that it doesn't change anything, you know, I still have my health. I still have good family around me I'm still working hard. I'm still meeting with incredible people If anything sanctionals are more special now because we get to travel the world across the year that one end goal at the games I mean you go to the games and get cut on the first day. You're like, well, (laughs) you know, that was a bit (laughs) a bit shit to be honest so I think, like, yeah, I want to make the games, and that's always a focus for me, and it will always be a focus. And if that, w- the way I explain my vision is, the games is like at the tip of my tree, but there's many other branches on that journey up. And I yeah. would be an idiot not to reach out and grab these opportunities that are coming to me, you know. So,
0: how did you come right. to work with uh, with them?
1: So I begged them. That was the one time I did beg. Um, I remember when I first started coaching and wit was a brand they weren't a gym and obviously i remember wit because when i first started coaching i was hot on stance socks i think i had about 100 pairs of stance socks and i used to grab them from there yeah there you go (laughs) so i was hot on stance and i remember wit was selling stance socks in the uk and i was picking stance up way back when i was coming to america and then wit was selling in the uk so i was going through wit for that and then they decided to to bring in bigger investment to set up a gym and a and a brand So what I did was I went down to when the gym opened, I went down to the location, I met with Gus, I trained, and I just dropped in, did a session. And I was like, yo, do you have any uh, coaching jobs? And they're like, no, not, not right now. And I was like, okay, cool. I went back next week. Do you have any coaching jobs? No, you were here last week. And I was like, yeah, okay, cool. Went away. And then this just kept going on, kept going on. Then I started becoming friends with the guys. They invited me to a few events me and Gus became really good buddies and Gus was like, you need to be working here. And I was like, yo, I've been asking for months. Um, and then it kind of just went from there. But my, my old man always taught me from a young age. I remember when I went for my first job and, um, I went in and back then you handed in CVs and I remember them saying no. And my dad was like, go back next week. And I was like, but they said no. And he was like, yeah, but you want them to keep remembering you. Just keep going back. And actually I remember my first job, they called me up and they were like, you're coming in every week. We're sick of it. Come for an interview. And I was like, okay. so that's my approach I mean I'm not a pest but I'll definitely be that guy if I want something I'm gonna keep chasing after it
0: yeah um how did you how did you become the captain of the team then for Guadalpaluza so you well you had I suppose you did Filthy first with uh like I suppose kind of a mix of team wit team battle cancer wasn't it
1: yeah so actually uh Filthy was purely team battle cancer okay um, we were we were represented by wit because Prior to that, they were about to sign their deal, the cancer and WIT yeah. deal. So they've since done that, but that was kind of on the on the cusp. So we were teaming up that way. And it was always a great fit for me because anything that allows me to continue working with WIT is super beneficial. Um so we did that first. That team was actually my girlfriend who was on the team. Uh we had Scott Ritz and we had Nell. Nell was also on the team. A little bit of info behind the team, one of the reasons why I wanted to get into this team was Uh, a couple months prior um, and I won't go into it too much because it'll get a bit heavy, but my girlfriend lost her father to cancer and we, we, um, I really wanted to do something with my girlfriend. Um, Scott came to us about this opportunity and I remember it and I was just like, yeah, it's a great idea. Let's do it. And let's do it in honor of, you know, know, all the people that are putting up a fight to cancer, but also in honor of uh, my girlfriend's father being Dave Mm -hmm. Charlton. And and we kind of wanted to do that initially. And then, Little did we know when we did the team and we set the team up, uh, we also had Nell join in the team. And when Nell got in on the team, we didn't know. It was never apparent to me, but Nell was actually partially deaf as well on the team. So it was like a really incredible, inspiring opportunity to be part of this team that has so much story and backdrop behind it in terms of like what Scott was trying to do or is trying to do for the battle cancer community. But, you know, then being there, in honor of my girlfriend's father, but then also working with Nell and it was Nell's first ever competition, CrossFit competition, she'd done powerlifting before. And we were like working with things like, you know, she was teaching us hand signals and, and all this really cool stuff. So it, for me, that, that was just a great experience to be part of something and kind of get the community behind us, which I really feel we did at Battle Cancer. We were never there to to put up any fight, really.
0: It was funny though. Like I remember, like I vividly remember saying to my wife, what, like we were at Filthy and I remember, you know, the all the different lanes are set out or whatever. And then I was like, oh, that's the guy that owns um, Battle Cancer. And then like half through of the workout I was like, fuck me, those two guys are seriously positive. <laughs> like, you know, you were yeah. there's certain workouts where you were maybe like, you know, to be teams maybe about to lappy or something like, you know, and the two of you were just like dancing and high-fiving each other and smiling and like in, the depths of pain and still like smiling away throwing a sandbag over your shoulder like you know wait your turn it was really cool to watch like
1: yeah and and in one of the workouts we um it was like a a clean and handstand walk workout and my girlfriend had just got uh i think it was the three uh what did they make us do they made us do they, i can't remember what it was. it was it was a long handstand walk and she'd only yeah. just learned to do half of what that length was so the likelihood of her actually making that handstand walk was very slim, but I remember we were there for a good eight minutes and she did not give up and yeah. everyone got behind her. And like that for me, it really brought back why I started in this sport, you know, the camaraderie and the the ability to kind of just get behind people and push them out of their comfort zone. So, you know, that, that was an incredible comp for that reason.
0: Yeah, that no, was great. I, like, I'm, I think it was one of the reasons that I wanted specifically to talk to you was because that, the, the positivity that was shown over the course that weekend was admirable like from you and scott like as mm-hmm. i suppose like it would be easy in a in a competition like that where you're kind of getting overrun in certain workouts you just be like oh you know what fuck this like uh, but and like let your heads drop or whatever but the consistent positivity in every workout like loads of people noticed it i got loads of messages from people mm-hmm. that judge that filthy saying like oh not a question just tell them their team was so positive and so kind and so generous with their time and stuff so I think like it's something that I hope that you keep up because it is like really admirable like I think the only other person I can think of that's probably as positive as you is like Noah Olsen and he's like Mr. Positivity so you're in good company Uh up there like you
1: know. I mean to be compared to such an incredible guy like that I'll I'll take it and you know for me I'm not doing anything it's not like it's it's funny because it's not like it's coming hard to me it's just when you realize how precious life really is you also realize how minute this sport is and how like there is no reason to be in this sport or any sport stressing over things that are outside of your control you know if you can control something you can you can change something do it but if it's outside of your control then you you have to win or learn is what I say, right? Yeah. I either win or I learn. And, and as long as I walk away from something and take a learning experience from it, I mean, sometimes my, my best performances and the best things I've done have not always been best by number or where I've placed. And one of my big things that I always, always live by and I always talk about is, only because I've noticed it through my performance, um, is that people, unless you're like the Matt Fraser's of the world, right? people your placing is irrelevant people don't really care about your placing but they care about your character they care about how you act on that floor how you engage with them how you respect them at the end of the day every time i turn up to a sanctional all right i'm putting hard work in but they're investing their money in this sanctional they're turning up to come and watch a show to be part of something so the least you can do is is kind of give a show and and engage with the people that are around you you know yeah. so for me like i say your placing to most people is irrelevant but how you act is always going to be remembered
0: yeah, it's good. Um, how did you end up picking Mickey Smith for the blueser team?
1: Because he's like me. He's like the Irish version. Um, no, so when I got the the opportunity to build Team Whip, it was super exciting. I was kind of like, guys, let me build a team, let me build a team. And we did the three male team the year before. And uh, they're like, OK, cool, build a team. Who do you want in it? And I was like, OK, let me think. Let me think. Uh, obviously, I'm in it. So first call is going to be who would be suited to work well with me um who is of you know similar abilities we'd be able to kind of do synchro stuff together but also who would kind of complement me with skills that maybe i'm lacking slightly and vice versa and i remember through the most recent open that we did me and mickey were like connected the whole time we're talking about everything and we were getting like similar scores we both like bummed out on the first workout (laughs) Um, and then we both did better on on the next few workouts so we were kind of talking the whole time through that and I was like you know what I want Mickey in the team like he's a sound guy I love his attitude um I I don't know how beast as well (laughs) he's insane like just even as an athlete he's incredible but as a person he's even better and for me when I was building this team I was a bit like who would I like to work with you know who is who am I going to have the most fun with who's it going to be enjoy like enjoyable with um, and then I heard a story about Mickey. I don't know if I should be saying this, but I'm going to anyway. Um, I heard a story about Mickey when he was at the games. And I think after one of, the, one of the days or something, he went and had a pint of Guinness and someone said to him, why are you drinking? You're at the games. And he was kind of like, well, I'm here, right? Am I going to win it? Maybe not, but I'm here for the experience. So, and I love that attitude, you know, at the end of the day, like you have to enjoy every moment that you have in this sport. And you can, you can go through a weekend of like, for instance, I could go to Brazil and be so strict and not even see anything and disregard everyone and walk away and be like, what happened? Or I can go there and be like, I've put the work in, let's enjoy the competition now. Um, so that kind of led me to my choice of, of working with Mickey. Um, first time working together and it was incredible. And then I was like, who do I want on the team as like on the female side and straight up, I was like, got to work with Briggs. I went to Spain last year with Sam Briggs. Um, we did some incredible workouts together. We, we built a really good friendship. Um, on a side note, we did a 100k bike ride in the mountains in Spain. I like sidetracking a little bit. 100k bike rides in the mountains in Spain. And they set me off. I was like, well, you know, I've never really done anything of that distance. I was quite a rookie to a road bike. I mean, I think I did really well, but they set me off one hour before Briggs and on a hill, she went by me going, come on, Josh. And I was like, oh my God, I've just been lapped. And I went an hour earlier. Um, <laughs> I caught up towards the end I must say but by no means for what they did so I was like yeah I want Briggs on the team and then the hardest thing honestly was being like okay if I get Briggs in the team and I was waiting on Briggs to confirm for a little while because she was checking with her coach and making sure that it kind of corresponded with the, the season that she was meant to have and when she said yes I was like oh okay who am I gonna put with Briggs because she's a beast right yeah yeah and then I was like who have I met at competitions because I like to connect with people at competitions. And I met Harriet Roberts when I competed in China Um, and Harriet like crushed it. And she crushed it in a way that like, again, she was one of those athletes like all of us um, where she was serious on the floor and had a good time off the floor. I mean, we all connected. China actually was one of the competitions that I've done where the, the, the main or the first time I've really felt, I mean, there's always camaraderie in competition, but, because you were limited on resources out in China and it was very hard to kind of communicate or do anything. Everyone that was there became like serious friends because we all had to connect and share ideas. And I remember Harriet competed, and I thought she was exceptional and and I knew she was a good swimmer and a good, you know, she could move, she could move a barbell and I was like, she'll be able to keep up and, and put in the work with Briggs. So that's kind of how the team came about. And then little did I know that we would all connect in, in such a great way. I mean, even before we did events, there was everyone showed a real sense of vulnerability in terms of if there was something they weren't able to do at the best of their ability, everyone was honest about it. If there was something they could really take away and do, they were honest about it. I mean, I think one workout had uh, heavy dumbbell thrusters and rope climbs. And I was like, Mickey, I'm not going to get up that rope that quick. And he's like, Well, I've got those all day, but I can't thruster as fast. So I was like, Well, I've got those all day. So, and it just really worked. Yeah. Um, so that's how the team came about. And then, you know, little did I know would have such, uh, such a great great vibe with each other. A fun story on that team, actually. I met, um, I met uh, Harriet again after China um, in Miami and she had food poisoning. And that first morning we were together, I woke up at 7 a.m. and she was sprawled up on the toilet floor, like throwing up and everything. And that was like one day, uh, two days before competition, essentially. And she still came through and, and did incredible.
0: Yeah, I'm starting to think maybe that that might have something to do with Mickey Smith because he was on a team at Strength and Depth with Emma McQuaid and she was really sick. (laughs) (laughs) Was he like spiking his female teammates?
1: Well, he wasn't even there at that point. He hadn't even turned up, so I don't know what he did, but there was something... That was just to build up an alibi.
0: He just came late to build an alibi, that's all. Uh,
1: Exactly, exactly.
0: Um, With your positivity then and your mindset, like, is that... Do you find that... Have you always been like that or have have you kind of cultivated it over time, like...
1: No, I haven't, um, and I haven't, I've also not forced it. So, that, like I see a lot on social media now, which is, you know, unqualified people essentially talking about mindset training and what you should and shouldn't be doing, and I think advice is great and we all wanna help each other, but it's, I think sometimes, sometimes you do need to think a certain way, but also sometimes you just need to kickstart small little habits that will fuel a better mindset. And what I mean by that is, like I said, I used to smoke, I used to drink, I used to pie, I wasn't as physically fit as I am now. And back then when I was doing that, that's what was fueling my bad mindset, right? And I was, I was feeling down. I've never been through, and I'm going to be honest, because I know some people talk about depression and stuff like that. I don't really feel like I've ever been through a point of depression. Um, so I don't want to falsely categorize any of my feelings with that. But I have gone through moments where I felt low and haven't felt really uh, comfortable with who I was as a human being. Um, my path that I was taking, the the circle I was associating associating myself with. So I wasn't really comfortable in all of these things. And just step by step, I started putting things in place that changed that. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and be positive. I mean, it's like whenever you tell someone, tell someone to be positive and it's like the elephant in the room, they're like, whatever. Like you can't just say be positive. It doesn't work like that. But what I did was I just started, you know, one morning I said, I'm not going to smoke anymore. And then next time I said, well, you know, I'm going to go six months without any drink. And then I was like, well, I'm going to train a little bit harder. I'm going to cut back on the cookies. I'm going to, and I I started playing with stuff. And then over time, as I got fitter, and even to this day now, nutrition is a huge part of your mindset. And I will say that because, you know, a couple days back, I had a little bit too much to drink and I woke up the next morning, not feeling great, not feeling positive because I I wasn't, I wasn't, I didn't feel physically fit and able to do the things I wanted to do. So I think, when it comes to getting a better mindset or, or how I helped change my mindset, it was with small things. Like I didn't, I didn't clean up my nutrition before I, I worked hard. I actually worked hard and was like, yo, you're working this hard. And then you're eating like burgers three nights a week and pizza. Like, why are you doing this? Cut back on
0: some of that. And I was like, cool, I'll cut back. And then piece by piece, it will start falling into place. So it's really just that 1% over time, like it becomes 2% yeah. or 3%. Yeah
1: exactly look it's everyone knows this right if you wake up one morning and you're like i'm going cold turkey on everything and i'm going to train as hard as i can chances are you're probably going to get injured because your body's not used to it then you're going to get more negative because now you're injured right i think it's it really is just it's a patient process you know i heard i actually I, heard a
0: really good one on the radio the other day someone was talking about i think they were talking about saving money but like it applies to this as well of like uh it's a fucking weird analogy but they were like if you're if you want to cook a frog if you throw a frog into boiling hot water, it'll hop back out. But if you slowly increase the heat in a pot of water with the frog in it, the frog won't realize the water is getting hotter. So it's that thing of like change everything and the frog's going to jump out. But if you change a little bit, little bit, little bit, it'll be cooked before it realizes what's going on. Like it's a, I mean, I love, I, lo-
1: I love, I love where you've gone with that. I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm worried about the first person that tried that on a frog <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, completely, completely. It, it has to be small steps. And even like as a mindset thing, like don't, don't wake up in the morning and just be like, Oh, be positive. Yeah. Everyone could say that, but just wake up in the morning and do something different. Wake up and make your bed, wake up and clean your house. Do just do something, be active. Like activity changes mindset completely. I stand by that. You know, there, there could be some, uh, professional out there, I'm not professional. Again, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna claim that. There could be a professional out there and you go, Josh, you're talking bullshit. But from what I've learned and experienced, activity and doing things has changed my mindset. My mindset didn't change instantly. Um well and- I think it's
0: it's something that everyone can empathize with now, especially with what's going on. Like so many people are stuck at home. Like if I didn't have the barbell and assault bike downstairs, I don't know what the fuck I do from sun up to sundown. Like it's I think loads of people are finding that now. that they're, they're I think they, obviously they're missing like some of the social aspect of going to the gym and stuff but i think now mm-hmm. they're realizing how important it is for them to stay active and to do something like for themselves i think now is the time that people are like jesus thank god i have this because i don't know what i do if i didn't
1: and even then be honest with me now how often do you wake up and think well do i really want to go downstairs in my house and do this workout
0: oh literally every fucking day but i still do it <laughs>
1: And then how good do you feel afterwards? Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's so, great. So, so that's what it is. It's, it's just taking these things. And sometimes you're going to wake, like even me, I wake up now and I'm like, d- like, it's a little bit different where I am at this point in time, like the location I'm at, because the outside area is so close. And that really motivates me being outside and having some nice weather. But, you know, I, I remember when this whole COVID-19 thing first came into effect and um, I put some little jokey things out on my Instagram being like, Oh, no fist bumps. Like, how am I going to survive with that? And someone basically hit me up and was like, you're an arsehole, stop doing it. And I was like, Oh, I'm not saying I'm doing it. But like, for me, I struggle without social interaction. Mm. I'm not the kind of person that's going to be going out with people all the time. But being in the gym, having that kind of vibe with your friends and that energy is a really big part of me and who I am. And I found just cutting that cold turkey and training at home really hard, like, yeah. Even now, it's only, say, let's say I'm doing a 40-minute slugger of a workout on the bike and ski. I'll get 20 minutes in and be like, okay, cool, I'm ready, let's go. But that first 20 minutes, it's me constantly talking to myself. And, and that's a key point right there. And I always say, stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. Stop listening to those bad thoughts and start telling yourself what to do.
0: Yeah. Um, do you, like, walk me through, okay, I know things are probably a little bit different now with what's going on, but, like, walk me through your average week of training then, is it, a mixture of like strength gymnastics lifting cardio every day or do you kind of have specific things on specific days that you work on
1: so for me the last six months i haven't had an off season right because i've been competing so much so there hasn't been i haven't had the ability to have training sessions where i focus on one thing yeah. i haven't been able to go into the gym and be like right we I mean, don't get me wrong i still have a little bit of a strength session or but like Certain things that I should have been working on, I haven't been able to because I have to kind of just stay ready the whole time. And, you know, you do a competition, that competition, it might be a three-day comp, but it takes a week out of you and and whatnot. But an average day for me um, tends to be 30 to 60 minutes in the morning of cardio-based work. Um, EMOMs working with bikes, ski, row, double-unders, some lower skill work, but, you know, higher heart rate. Then in the afternoon, it will be a combination of strength elements and gymnastic elements. Um, I came away from a competition last year when I did down under, and my gymnastic work was a little bit weak. But I managed to clean and jerk 167 kilos. So my coach was like, "Right, no strength, just gymnastics." So that was going to say, like,
0: do you like do you earmark weaknesses at sanctions and competitions and stuff, or do you like trust the process for the entire season and then afterwards be reactive to stuff? Like, say that, like if you're at a competition, there's a shit ton of chest bars and you broke them up when the guy in the lane beside you didn't or that kind of thing, is it hard not to be reactive and be like, right, I just need to do a shit ton of chest of bars?
1: Uh, Yeah. And for the most case, I am reactive as long as I'm honest with myself. If I couldn't do those chest bars because I was pre-fatigued from the weekend before me, that's different to whether it was a fresh fresh event and I was feeling great and I still messed up. So... um, And on the flip side, you can also surprise yourself in competition. I remember in strength and depth this year, and it had a 75 toaster bar or something like that. And I was like, whoa, I'm going to struggle here. And I came out in front and I broke them up into sixes. I did sixes the whole way through. People were doing big sets. Um, But yeah, I I do benchmark off of competitions. They're my learning ground, right? They're my, my, competition is also my experimental ground. And um, I will sometimes go in with a game plan, uh, more so now, I kind of stick to my game plan. But before I would go in with a game plan and kind of push past that game plan and, and try something new. Um, and I'm still doing that to some degree. And that's how I learn. you know, the only difference is now with a lot of the sanctions pre-releasing their workouts, I'm able to really get a gauge on what I'm doing. Yeah. But, but even to that point, like when I did strength and depth, every single workout in the competition, I took at least a minute off my practice time because yeah. I, I, you push that, you have that little bit
0: of adrenaline.
1: Edge, you know? yeah, Adrenaline. Yeah. So, I um but I I definitely use them as benchmarks. If I go into a competition and I honestly feel like I did a skill and that skill was lacking, I'll come out of that competition, hit up my coach, who's uh Stephen Fawcett for JST. I'll hit him up and be like, look this is what I'm feeling, this is what went wrong. And I'm honest with myself as well. Sometimes uh, a lot of athletes look for their look to their coach to be told exactly what to do. Yeah, I want to be told what to do, but I'm not stupid. If I sandbag something cuz I'm a complete douche on the floor and I just my my head goes, then I know that's me, right? Mm. But if if i'm lacking some sort of ability then we we can work on that
0: and how long have you been with jst i've
1: been with jst now since the whole time i've been doing sanctionals so i actually went over to jst after team regionals um i saw steve in the warm-up area working with his athletes and i was like yep he needs to be my coach and i remember messaging him and him being like well i can give you to to one of my coaches because he's quite busy at the time and i was like nope tell me your price I'm paying you I was like I saw the way you worked with your athletes I want to be with you and then we developed the relationship over time and I did some work for them I also coached for them but now I'm just purely working with with Steve
0: so yeah it was cool as well as was for say for someone with your aspirations to know that he's done it he's been there and he's like you know he's been to the games and he's performed at the games and like it must give an extra element of like yeah okay just shut up and listen to him because he knows he's talking about as well like you know
1: Yeah, and he's very intelligent. So aside from the whole what he's done, he's done some great things, but he's also very smart. And you've only got to spend an hour with him and listen to him talk about things and and see he has that knowledge. But yeah, it works for me when someone is inspiring. Like if someone inspires me, that really helps fuel me And, and seeing what he did and what he achieved and what he continues to achieve and his trust and belief in me as an athlete is what keeps me pushing too.
0: He's having a serious time of it as well. Like, like JST, they've got you know, one of their athletes got punched their ticket at strength and depth. They've got, um, yep. like Reggie winning a rowing workout at like three foot five at Waterpalooza. <laughs> and like, he's got he seems to have this interchangeable deck of like really strong athletes that he can pick from. And you know, it's like he's building a pretty impressive empire there.
1: Mm-hmm. And you're noticing that a lot of the JST athletes that are coming through, um, I mean tell me one sanctional apart from China this year that hasn't had running. Yeah. Every every competition now is having distance running, heavy running, rowing, endurance based stuff. And what did JST specialise in? Yeah. Endurance based stuff look at, look at
0: the Ruck one from last year, like throughout the games. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Same thing. I mean, even us, even even in terms of like what I was able to do at the Ruck run and, and Whatapalooza, you know, that 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 wasn't in my wheelhouse. Before I went to Steve, like I said, a, a a one mile run is probably was at my limit. Yeah. You know, sometimes I'm doing 30K a week now. Um, you know, there's all different variations that we're doing. So they, they do specialize in that side as well. They still have the strength element for sure. And their strength stuff is good, but they combine it with really good moving elements. Like if I have a heavy snatch sometimes, I'll be doing every 30 seconds, one snatch, two high box jumps. So I'm snatching and I'm explosive. And there's, yeah. there's all these different variables to it.
0: Yeah, that's cool. Um, so we'll wipe this season clear, right? Because... Yeah, it's well, done. We, it's over. Yeah, I mean, from what castro said on talking elite the like game over yeah he he more or less said yeah forget about it it's not happening um which i suppose like that must be pretty crushing for you to hear like listening to it because i think i suppose the one thing that the one bugbear that a lot of people seem to have across fit is that they're very like they play their cards very close to their chest like almost Mm -hmm. too close sometimes where they're kind of they don't share enough um so like was it hard for you to hear that was it almost secondhand like?
1: I've done a lot of sanctionals already this season, right? So it, it, it's given me an, an off-season now, essentially, yeah. right? Then that's the way I look at it. And that's how I have to look at it. I can't get bummed out by it. I had more competition opportunities. Um, I had some competitions that I was working with very closely um, to, to gain spots. I was, I'd already, I was already meant to be doing the West Coast Classic as well. Mm. Um, that, that obviously didn't go ahead. Um, I was in talks with, with Shanghai and joining Mickey out there and Granite Games. And there was a few other competitions that I was supposed to be doing. Um, so am I bummed out by that? Yeah, for sure. Because they're opportunities where, again, I can connect with another, another community, another area, another, another bunch of people and really just share my passion with people. So, yeah, that bums me out. Um, what I am most bummed out by is the fact that the games have been cancelled or potentially. Yeah, potentially yeah. Been it's not like it anyway, yeah. It's, it sounded like that, right? And that, that kind of bummed me out seeing that. Um, and the reason that bummed me out is not because of me personally, and this is where I'm going to kind of open up a little bit, but I've seen a lot of athletes that worked really hard to get to the games this year. Um, a great buddy of mine, Adam Davison, who I competed with in Brazil, we had some great chats out there, and I saw how hard he worked. Um, and if that is the case, I feel real sorry for him for him not to go ahead. On the flip side of that, if the games were to come about next year and take those athletes through, it gives them more opportunity to sharpen the blade, right, and get ready. But there was also a comment that Castro ended, um, I don't know if you heard it, but he mentioned if it were up to him, which not all the decisions are, but if it were up to him, he wouldn't be against the idea of of scrapping it all together and starting again. And I think he compared that to like the NFL or any of those major league sports, but those major league sports are also paying all of their athletes and they're earning a living. That's not happening in our sport. And yeah. if you're giving up your life to be on that floor to potentially gain other opportunities elsewhere and you get that scrap from you after hard work, well that, I mean, for me, that doesn't sit very well. And I, and I feel sorry for the athletes in, in that regard.
0: Yeah. It's so. tough. Like I suppose they're kind of stuck in that. They need to do something because they can't, they can't just, well, they, in all likelihood they won't be able to put it on. Like, let's call mm-hmm. a spade a spade. I mean, unless there's some like m- miraculous thing happens in the next couple of months, they're not going to be able to put it on. Cause even if things are clear by the end of July, I mean, you're still talking like sponsors, the venue, like all that kind of stuff is up in the air until then. So, like, the, you know, it needs to really fix it. It's
1: a month, like, you know. The travel bans, people yeah. not earning any real, you know, not really earning a living at the moment. I mean, some people are still getting paid if they're employed, but then being able to up and leave their job when it comes back to turn around and be like, oh, actually guys, I've got to take a vacation and go somewhere.
0: Yeah.
1: Or, you, you know, for the volunteers that are involved, like the likelihood of it happening is very slim.
0: It's hard, like, because like they okay, well, they they can't put it on. So then, like, it's difficult for them then as well, I suppose, to do nothing at all for 12 months. Like as in mm-hmm. to to run say okay a main thing people focused on last year was like the sheer volume of athletes that were at the games last year was huge so then mm-hmm. they have a decision to make then of like right okay we can't have the games so do we a cancel all the sanctionals for the upcoming year or like you know not have a games ticket at those sanctions but have the sanctions on or do we uh, and or do we b uh, let those people gain access to the games and have like Way more people on top of what was already going to be there at the games next year, or Mm C, do we just like scrap the games and start from October or like whatever? October with the open, November with filthy, and just carry on as if 2019 or 2020, as they're calling it, for their season, like just didn't happen.
1: Yeah, it's a tough decision. Um, and and I, I wouldn't want to be the person making that decision. Um, but I do think that you have to feel for the athletes that have really worked their asses yeah. off. Especially, especially those athletes. And I'm not taking anything away from national champions, right? Because who knows, maybe one day I, I could be one. I, I mean, I was close before, but I'm not taking anything away from national champions. But if you are are paying to travel the world to do sanctionals, to earn your ticket, and you still and you earn your ticket and you can't go, for me, I think that is almost worse because you're not doing it your home gym you're actually using the resources you have to support a sport in a way where let's be real the sanctionals now as much as kind of dave cash or disregarded it a little bit the sanctionals are the base layer of the crossfit cake those sanctionals are what are drawing in the fans the fans are coming in because there's now more opportunities to support and get behind your local or your favorite athlete. So I think if then the athletes are spending their own money and own resources to be there, to put on a show for your community spectators and not be able to then take their ticket and go to the games. I think there's a a slight problem there if I'm honest. So I don't know if that would mean anyone that's qualified through a sanctional gets their spot and then we do the national champions over again or whatever. I'm not sure, but I just think when you're using time money and resources to really you know keep the fans engaged with that base layer of the cake being the sanctionals those people need their opportunities
0: yeah um so if okay we'll just either way the games happen doesn't happen whatever we're in september you're gearing up for the open for next year what does next year look like for you like what are your aims for next year what sanctions can we expect to see you at will you be there on your own will you be there with a team
1: Okay. Yeah. So for me, um, I've always said the individual side is me proving a point to myself. The team side is me being at one with the community, right? So being in a team allows, you know, a group of four to then draw in an even bigger group of spectators so we can all get behind each other and be a great community. The, the, yeah, and even though as an individual, we can still get the community behind me, that is me just trying to prove that I can do something to myself. So I kind of split it half and half. In terms of competitions that I want to take on myself, um, I've always saw Dubai Fitness Champs as a big goal for me. Um, so that's one that I'd want to be at. I, Waterpalooza, I absolutely love. Um, so far, I've done it as, uh, as a team athlete. And I think I would continue to do so if the opportunity were there. I, I love that. I love the team aspect of Um yeah. It's incredible. So that kind of sits well with me. Strength and depth, home place. I would love to be back there as an individual um and then brazil is a really strong one for me as well um the the sport in general crossfit in brazil anyone that gets the opportunity to go and compete there do it because the fans will get behind you like no other it's i mean it's just incredible they were uh, so welcoming um it was so warm being there um so i'd love to go back there and then the other opportunities would be like granite games uh madrid looking at team opportunities for them because I'm gonna be honest, everyone wants to earn a living in the sport, right? And there are some competitions now that are putting up pretty big prize pockets yeah. for teams because they wanna make the team part of this even bigger because you can draw in a nation. You can take a British team, you can take a, You know, you yeah. can draw people into that. So I wanna be part of that too. Um, so cool. it, will, it will definitely be another busy season. Um, <laughs> it's funny because me and my girlfriend were like, well, let's pick three. And then I'm like looking at it and I've got like seven on the list. And she's like, ah, oh, for Christ's sake.
0: I hope you're keeping <laughs> your air miles. Oh,
1: oh yeah, for sure. I mean, that's what we do. And we, we actually managed to, to rack up uh, some air miles. So we got to go to Brazil business class. It was the first time I've ever done that. And it was, it was incredible. So
0: yeah. Um, I usually finish up with like a quick fire, like this or that kind of um, quick fire round. And then like a couple of more uh, think time questions at the end then. Um, okay. Snatch or clean? Oh, snatch now. Uh, Americano or flat white? Flat white. Uh coaching or being coached? Coaching. Running or rowing? Rowing. Uh chipper or sprint? Chipper. Um first thing that you put into your gear bag. Every time. <laughs> too
1: many clothes. I put extra <laughs> underwear too. <laughs>
0: um, the best piece of equipment you've ever bought.
1: Concept two bike.
0: Very good. Um burger or steak.
1: Oh, God. Depends where we're going now, but probably burger.
0: Uh, Favorite cheat meal?
1: Favorite cheat meal would be like, there's a place out here called Magnolia Bakery and they do a banana pudding and it's the best thing you will ever eat.
0: Cool. Um, You're picking a team to challenge Mayhem. Who's on it?
1: Sam Briggs, Mickey Smith and Harriet Roberts.
0: Okay, okay. That confident in them. <laughs> That's <laughs> hey, good, I like it.
1: Are you talking about Mayhem Independence or Mayhem Freedom? Because Mayhem Independence, even though they got the spot, we were 100 points ahead. And also on that front, Mayhem Freedom, there was, I mean, me and Mickey took number one in that row and they took like 13th. So I'm just saying yeah, there's great possibility there.
0: I was thinking like I, I'm looking forward to asking Mickey about it because it must be he had it at strength and depth and then he had it again at Waterpalooza where... It must be a cool feeling to make Rich Froning look over his shoulder, or you know, like it must be must be a nice feeling to ha- to, to know that you're making Rich Froning go. Oh, he, he, fuck he, them anyway. He, he
1: wasn't looking. He wasn't looking over his shoulder. He was looking way ahead. That's
0: right <laughs> <out there. laughs> yeah, that's cool. Um, listen, Joshua. Thanks, a million for coming on. I really appreciate you giving up your time. Um, stay safe with everything and best of luck. Hopefully, whatever happens at the season uh, this year, best of luck with it, and definitely best of luck for next year. And we'll hope to see you at the games
1: oh man i appreciate it it's been great thank you for having me um i hope that people have enjoyed listening to this i know i kind of sidetracked a little bit and we've talked about so many things but it's been great you're the first person that i've kind of shared this story with so it's been good to talk
0: That's oh, still thank you man.